0: A reading from Acts chapter one, starting at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a sabbath day journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, And Judas the son of James. They all were continually united in prayer along with the women including Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about a hundred and twenty and said brothers and sisters it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language, that field is called Halkadema, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. From among these, it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, You, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would guide us through this passage, give us wisdom, make it clear to us what it means for us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to be very careful here in terms of predictions, but I need to make a confession to you, and that is I hope that Queen Street Baptist Church is the uh, final congregation in my pastoral ministry. Now, I realize I have a a number of years before retirement, so I need to be careful. Anything could happen uh, in the next uh, 15 or so years, but I'm really hoping that this is where uh, I will be uh, until that time. And the reason for that is because Uh, I really don't want to go through the whole pastoral search uh, and the church search process. Uh, Again, it is pretty stressful having to do that. I have a number of friends who are in the time of pastoral transition and I don't envy them one bit. It is not fun to have to go through that. Now, I need to make it clear that uh, Queen Street was very good in terms of their search committee, and it was a a relatively painless process to come here. And that's one of the reasons why I uh, hope that I can uh, end on on this particular note. Uh, But it hasn't always been so. Uh, There was a a previous church that I had uh, applied for uh, long before uh, I was looking at Queen Street, and uh, it ended up that that congregation uh, was looking at two different pastors and I happened to have known the other pastor I was friends uh, with him and it just came out in conversation that he also had applied for this church so we were uh, trading notes during this this whole process and uh, I had been going to interviews and uh, having numerous conversations with the search committee. And then eventually I received a phone call from the chair of the search committee and he explained to me that he just didn't think uh, that it was going to work out between them and myself, that uh, they just didn't see how that would, would be able to happen. And I was disappointed, but uh, I was friends with the other guy and so you know, at least he would be able to, to get that church. And uh, a couple of weeks later I happened to be talking to my friend and he uh, sent uh, congratulations to me. And I thought that was strange because I was just about to congratulate him for getting the church and he was congratulating me for getting the church and he had just talked to the search committee and they had told him that they had decided to go with me instead of him and then a week later uh, they did call me and say yes they did indeed want me to come and to preach for a call. And uh, so that was uh, kind of an interesting experience to, to go through. It was, it was pretty stressful. Uh, I sh- I'm sure that it's stressful for churches as well, uh, that they uh, put together a search committee, they equip them, uh, they give them guidance as to what the congregation is looking for, and they put that responsibility uh, upon that search committee to find someone uh, who is uh, appropriate And then have that person come in and preach. Uh, But all I know is from my perspective as being a pastor and having uh, come and to not just interview but then to, uh, based on one sermon, uh, have the congregation uh, vote on whether or not to call the pastor. And uh, if you can imagine whatever career you have been a part of uh, over the years, if that's how they did it, that you were expected to do one part of your job and then have everyone vote whether or not you did a good enough job. Uh, It could be a pretty stressful position. Uh, Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because this is very relevant to the situation that we're looking at in this passage in Acts. And that is that we have an opening in the 12 apostles and they are looking to replace Judas with someone else. And it comes down to two different people up for the job, and we find out who it is who gets it. So we're going to take a closer look at what took place there and what that means for us today. So if we go back into the Gospels and the description of Jesus's ministry, we see that Jesus calls 12 disciples or 12 apostles Now, there was a larger group of disciples. There was far more than 12 that were following Jesus, but Jesus decided to call a specific group of 12. Now, why 12? Well, it wasn't just for practical reasons. Now, it is true that uh, 12 uh, does allow you to uh, share the responsibilities much more than if you had a smaller group. It's also a small enough group that Jesus was able to mentor, them in a better way than he could have if he was trying to mentor say 120 people uh, all at the same time however it wasn't just for practical reasons there was symbolic value as well that in uh, in a way jesus was reconstituting the nation of israel and israel was made of 12 tribes and the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles were meant to remind us of the 12 tribes. Now that's not to say that each disciple happened to be from each of those 12 tribes. That was not the case at all. But we were meant to look at the uh, history of Israel and to see that something as significant as that was taking place. So that number 12 was very important. We also saw that Judas ended up Uh, Betraying Jesus, he uh, handed Jesus over to the authorities uh, for his execution. Now, we also know that uh, Peter had denied Jesus, which was also a pretty bad thing. And Peter and Jesus ended up being reconciled. Could something like that have happened with Judas? Well, we can't really know because Judas ends up dying uh, from suicide before that could happen. So Judas, his place is removed and that leaves them with the 11. But the 11 won't do because it's still important for them to have that number 12. So who is going to be the 12th apostle? Well it's not like they could just put an ad up on the uh, the local market in Jerusalem saying uh, we have a job opening for a 12th apostle Uh, Send in your resumes. We'll have some interviews and and we'll let you know. Uh, They couldn't do something like that. They had very specific requirements that were needed and that was that it had to be someone who had been with them right from the beginning, right from the the baptism of John, right through the ministry, including uh, witness to the resurrection of Jesus. This is so very important because even if Paul the Apostle Paul had been a Christian at this moment in time, he would not have been eligible for this position. Yes, Paul was an Apostle, but he was not one of the 12, and he was never eligible for one of the 12 because he didn't fit that particular requirement. He wasn't with them right from the time of the baptism of John all the way to the resurrection of Jesus. So there was a very limited group of people were eligible and they were able to narrow it down to two different people. Uh, One is a a person named Matthias and another person is is named Joseph called Barsabbas also known as Justice. Now uh, Joseph would have been his birth name Barsabbas uh, maybe have been uh, a nickname uh, it means son of the Sabbath, so maybe he was born on the Sabbath, or he was uh, known for being a um, uh, just a, a good uh, Sabbath keeper. And Justice was uh, a, a Roman name that he had. Many uh, Jews, in addition to their Hebrew name, would have had either a Greek or a Roman name. So uh, when we look again at uh, Paul, his Hebrew name was Saul, and his Roman name was Paul. A lot of Christians think he renamed himself Paul when he became a Christian, that's not likely. He probably was, already had the Roman name of Paul uh, before he was a Christian, and he happened to use that more often afterwards because his ministry was primarily with Gentiles, and so uh, he was using that name, but that name probably existed for him already. And so we have this guy with complicated names, uh, Joseph, Barsabbas and Justice. And the two of them are up for the job. But how do you decide between the two of them? Uh, we don't see that they each gave a sermon and then they picked the one who gave the, the best sermon. They actually cast lots. And that might seem so strange to us because that almost seems like gambling. It's like, almost like rolling dice to see... Uh, Who's going to be a uh, Be like uh, flipping a coin or, or something like that How could they do that and a lot of people have looked at that and thought that's a really strange thing that almost seems Unchristian to do that now. There's a couple of things we have to keep in mind when we look at this story uh, One is uh, they are bathing this in prayer They are really believing that God is in this presence and they are praying that God would lead them to the right person but the other thing is That both of these men were already qualified. Really, they couldn't have gone a wrong way. It's not as if they left it completely up to chance and they might have had a good one, but they might have had a bad one as well. Uh, That's not the case. It was rather they were casting lots for who of these two people who are already qualified, who are already uh, have everything they need to be the 12th apostle, uh, they are already present in that. And so they couldn't have gone wrong. In fact, uh, even today, the Amish do something very similar to this, where uh, they they nominate uh, a number of people who are potential uh, ministers, but they are nominating people who are already qualified, people that they think will do a good job with that. And then they put them in a room, and uh, they randomize uh, hymn books, and within one of those hymn books is a piece of paper. And then those people open up their hymn books, and uh, whoever has the piece of paper, uh, they become the, the minister. And so the Amish do something very similar. But again, they're not leaving it completely up to chance. They wouldn't nominate someone who wasn't uh, known to be qualified to do the task. And so that's what took place here. Now, I wonder about justice here, not just because Uh, My son is uh, named after him. Now, there's actually, uh, this Justice is uh, one of three people in the New Testament named Justice. It's not a real common name, but uh, there are three of them in the New Testament. But I've been drawn to him because I've wondered, how did he respond to this? How did he feel when Matthias was announced as the 12th Apostle? Because that would have been an incredible opportunity. He was so close to becoming the 12th Apostle. Uh, Can you imagine to, to have a position like that, to be known as one of the 12 apostles? It would have been incredible. He was so close, and yet it just didn't happen. Was he devastated? Did he go home crying? Was he extremely upset? Was he ready to give up because this happened? Or did he just kind of roll up his sleeves and say, Well, I'm going to just continue on doing ministry in whatever opportunity that I have. Uh, we don't really know what happened to justice. There are some uh, later church traditions about him, uh, including one where he drinks poison and is not harmed. So he's uh, miraculously uh, saved from the poison. Uh, but we don't know how accurate that is or, or anything. Uh, and we just can't know for sure what happened to justice. But we can know that he had a choice that had to be made. What would he do? Now that he is denied this 12th position, what will he do? What will his ministry look like? What would serving Jesus look like for him for the future? And that brings us to our situation. Now, have you ever wanted something so badly? Like there was an opportunity that you you could almost reach. It wasn't like far off thinking like, well, you know, it'd be great if I could be a, an astronaut or the prime minister or something like that. Not that uh, none uh, of you listening could uh, be that. I'm, I'm sure that that's a, an option for some. But uh, something that was really close to you. So perhaps it was a school that you badly wanted to attend. It had a program that just completely fit with what you wanted. And and teachers, uh, exactly what you were looking for. Or perhaps it was a job. It just seemed to be the dream job. The job that you always wanted. And they are looking to hire in your... You've made your application. Maybe you've even gotten to the, to the uh, interview stage. Or perhaps you uh, have auditioned for a, a musical or a singing group, and you're, you're really hoping that you can be a part of that, and you're, you're taking those steps towards uh, receiving that opportunity. And sometimes we will get the opportunity that we want, and sometimes we won't. We, we can't know for sure. As the the great uh, philosopher Mick Jagger once said, you don't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. And sometimes that's what life looks like. Life happens and we don't necessarily get exactly what we are looking for. And like justice, we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do now that we have received that disappointment? It makes me think about uh, driving down a road and you get to a fork in the road and you know that you want to go on the left fork of the road and yet you see that there's a barrier up that says that the the road is closed. You could take the right fork but maybe you're really disappointed that you can't take the left fork and so you just put your car in park and you sit there and you grieve the fact you can't take the road that you really want and you refuse to take the road that you can take. That's the kind of situation that we can be in. We have to ask ourselves, what are we gonna do with it? Are we so upset that we haven't gotten what we want that we refuse to move forward? Uh, We see this with children all the time, right? They don't get their way, Uh, what do they say? Well, I'm gonna take my toys and I'm gonna go home. And there is a temptation for us as adults to have that same response. We don't get what we want and so, We want to go home, we want to give up and not to do what is an option. And yet the path for ministry should never be based just on our personal preferences. This is what I would like to happen. If everything was ideal, this is the way it would be, but then life happens and we don't necessarily get it. Then we have to turn to the opportunities that are our way and we can move forward in that. serve and minister according to what is available. It makes me think about an a experience I had at a previous church, and uh, it was a very small church that I was pastoring, and at this church uh, we had a tradition of doing VBS every year. So even though we were a small church, uh, there was a group of children in our community, and so we would have this VBS every year, and, and I helped out with that as well, and it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. But eventually, we got to the year where all the children that had been a part of that VBS were now aged out. Uh, They were no longer uh, at the appropriate age for VBS. And we were left wondering, what are we going to do? Uh, This has been a part of our tradition. This is the way we have spent our ministry summer is by uh, preparing and offering VBS to children. And now we have no children that we're connected with that are of that age. And I pointed out to them that that group of children that had been going uh, through VBS with us each year, they were now teenagers. And we had everything we needed to start a youth group. And we took those children and we started uh, a youth group. And uh, it actually went very well. In fact, it got to the point where The number of teens in that youth group was about the number of adults that we had on a Sunday morning worship service. So uh, it was a pretty small church, but still, it was pretty good. Things had, had come along. But what I appreciated is that the church didn't just stop and say, wait a minute, what we want is VBS. And if we can't have VBS, we're just going to grieve that loss, and we're going to be upset, and we're going to... Uh, refused to move forward because we're not getting the way we want it to be. Instead, they were willing to pivot and to go in another direction. BBS may no longer be an option, but a youth group was an option. And so they were able to do that and to to switch their focus in that way. And I think that there was something very positive there. It really, in in many ways, was a justice moment, uh, choosing to look at the new opportunities. So we have this person named Joseph Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and he almost was the 12th apostle. Almost, but not quite. He lost out to Matthias. I don't know how he reacted. I don't know how devastated he was. I don't know if he was like one of those people on those reality uh, television uh, talent shows uh, where the people are so upset when they uh, lose out to someone else. Uh, But what I do know is he had to make a choice. When the news came out that uh, that he lost on the casting of Lots he had to make a choice. Would he just give up because he didn't get the position he wanted or was he willing to serve in the area that he still had? Was he willing to work through the opportunities still available and the same situation is there for us. This is there for us as individuals and as a congregation. There are times that we want things to be a certain way. We have our hearts on a certain opportunity and it seems so close and yet life happens and we have to decide what are we going to do about that. Are we willing to pivot? Are we willing to move from the area that we would much more prefer to the opportunity that God has given us and working through that opportunity? The choice is ours. Let us pray. God, we find this figure of justice to be so intriguing. We would love to have sat down with him after this time of casting lots, as he finds out that he was so close to that opportunity. Uh, What did he feel? How did he respond? And what was the rest of his ministry like? We can't know that, but we can know what our own experience is. And there are times that we have our hearts set on something in particular. And we know that sometimes life just happens. We pray that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to be able to move in the direction that you have given us, that we would be faithful to the opportunities that come our way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.